Welcome to the CT Startup Podcast, an insider's perspective on the startup ecosystem in the great state of Connecticut. I'm Chris Tomorrow with Sublime Exposure, and here with me is Nisha Kapoor with Martha Kalina. And today we're talking to Alex from Listenable. Hello. Welcome, Alex. Thank um, you. So Dave is on a phone call. Eric is MIA. So it's just <laughs> me and Nisha <laughs> and Alex today, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about her. Um, why don't you describe it, Alex? Why don't you talk, tell us about talk this? Talk about Listenable. Yeah. Okay, so hey, everybody, it's Alex Roman. So yeah, Listenable is a company that I started about a year and a half ago after spending many years in digital media building product and, and actually managing um, a podcasting business for a big media company. And I had the opportunity to start this company on the, on the premise that everything should be listenable. So, you know, I would surf around the internet as we all do, reading and, and looking at things, and I thought, the technology is available today where everything should be listenable, and there should be a button right next to this article and right next to that white paper, and everything should be listenable, and it can be. So that's what I'm going to set out to do. So it was about a year, about a year ago, and um, I was able to. Uh, you want to hear the? You want to hear the story about the name first? Oh, I want to hear about <laughs> yes. the name. Okay. So, so that was kind of the dream. Everything should be listenable, but it didn't have a name at that point, and I had no idea how I was going to do this. But that was sort of the. That was what started kind of the the the, the fire burning. And so I didn't wasn't even sure if listenable was actually a word. I thought maybe I made it up. So I went to good. <laughs> so I went to good old Google, and sure enough, listenable is a real word. It's an adjective, and it and it uh, it means pleasant to listen to. And so I thought, oh, that's exactly it. That's exactly the name of the company, listenable. And so went to listenable.com because surely the domain was owned by somebody, but there was nothing there. So I thought, oh, this is even better. And then you know, for uh, this for the entrepreneurs out there. Sometimes these startups just start to take on a life of their own. And this is kind of when I started feeling it. You know, the name's available. It's a perfect word. And so I was able to buy the domain listenable.com for a reasonable um, fee. And, um, and I, I have to plug at this point, if you're bu- trying to buy a domain for your startup and it is owned because they all are, negotiate 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 <laughs> you were able to negotiate the yes, price down half price wow yes. that's a that's a big deal you have to you have to ask what's the worst they can say no no right and then you're still right back where you started right <laughs> right so anyway so that so that was that happened it was available and i just thought the name was perfect so we started with that Wow. Um, so you you have a podcasting background. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it weird being on the other side of the mic? Uh, did you ever get to do any hosting yourself? Well, well, um, I worked at ESPN for ten years, and I got to manage the producers um, of the podcasting business years ago when it was just really starting. And um, a very popular podcast that ESPN puts out is Fantasy Focus uh, with Matthew Barry. This is wildly popular. And he asked me to be on the podcast once and talk about my fantasy football team. And so I did. And it was kind of funny. A lot of fans wrote in and they said they loved my voice. They, hey. I had a nickname. It was the Empress. 
and because they had this <laughs> the whole star. They, That's an awesome nickname. It, it was. They had I this, want that. Right? <laughs> they had this whole Star Wars theme going on. So the podcast producer is Pod Vader, and everyone sort of had a. So I was the Empress Alex Roman. But anyway. <laughs> people people actually wrote in after I was on, and, and they were not um, praising my fantasy football in- intuition, but they were talking about my voice. So, <laughs> so, yes, I've been on, and it's kind of fun. And I told you guys when I rocked in the room, you know, the other kind of little secret ingredient to, to me wanting to start listenable is that I, I like doing voiceover work, and I like being in front of the mic, so it was just fun. Get to listen to yourself speak. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, so is that kind of – is this where the idea kind of blossomed from? You're saying that, you know, you got this idea that everything should be listenable and you have a history with audio. So is that kind of, is that like, did your path just kind of lead you here inevitably? Were there some bumps in the road? Well, I mean, it was an evolution. So working in digital media for so many years, you know, you I literally watched the internet evolve from 1999 when I first started, when companies were trying to figure out, gee, we need a website, what do we do? You know, big companies had basically executive bios and press releases, like that was <laughs> early websites, you know? So, so in watching digital media and, and digital publishing evolve over years, and then you had the podcasting business evolved. You know, I generically call podcasting and what and what I'm doing um, on-demand audio. Podcasting really is on-demand audio, so I kind of use that as a as a generic sort of higher level um, de- description for what for what I'm doing. Because people will all, always say, "Well, so is it like podcasts?" and and I think what I'm doing is different from podcasting. It's all on-demand audio, so that I like right. to say. But podcasting is often people. You know, we're sitting around a table here, looking at each other, having a live conversation. It's a discussion. It's a discussion. I used to say back in the day when I was managing a podcasting business, it's like a it's like a mini radio show. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What Listenable is doing is different. It is still on-demand audio, but we are narrating written content so it's a straight narration which is a little different from a podcast i mean it's the same in that it's on demand but it is it is not a uh it's not a mini radio show of people having a conversation it's it's kind of like it kind of falls in that that niche between like podcasts and like uh audiobooks yeah, because you're t- right. you're talking about a lot of non-fiction stuff um right we're talking about you know uh white papers mm-hmm. websites stuff like that yep, right articles abstracts i mean one industry that's really interesting to me is scholarly publishing and mm. anything intellectual publishing even certainly law firms have a lot of stuff they they put out for mm-hmm. I- internally and externally you were mentioning the automotive industry and yep. it does a lot of white papers. So things that are intellectual and, and sort of of a research nature um, is where I like to go. And particularly scholarly publishing is a $10 billion industry. So these companies publish, um, you know, scholarly articles and journals, whether it's medical or environmental. There are millions of articles, thousands of journals, and right now, it's all written form. And it's $10 billion is a huge industry. And, and, I, and I have been to these conferences and talked to consultants in that space, and they all look at each other and say, 
we know audio is missing on a grand scale, just not quite sure how to turn it on because there's so much content. <laughs> right. And in terms, you know, for someone like me who's interested in that content, but by the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is sit down and read even more. You know, you're mm -hmm. working all day. Mm -hmm. You want to get home. Mm -hmm. I feel like you open up, they open up their customer base to even more people because right. who are you currently looking at as some of your listeners? I would love to work with the Harvard Business Review, uh, The Economist, any of these scholarly journal publishers. I would love to work with a law firm that publishes white papers, whether for the public or even as an internal service to employees and associates. So if your boss said, I need you to read this, you know, this case over the weekend, oh, but we're actually going to spend the 200 bucks and get it for all of you guys to be able to listen to it. That just made your weekend so much better. <laughs> for sure. It, it, it really like, you know, I know personally, like I spend a lot of time in front of a computer screen. So if I'm scrolling along and I have the option to click something to listen to it, yeah. it makes it more accessible because now I can focus my attention elsewhere, not on a screen and still get the content. Yeah. And, you know, you were saying some people are very uh, audio. They, they listen. They, the they learn learners. auditory yeah. learners. There we go. Yep. Obviously, that's not me. But <laughs> I, I again, just back to the accessibility. Like my whole thing is a lot of times I'd uh, oh the title it's catchy and stuff, but then I start reading it and you got to get through the abstract and it's boring and it's like yeah. by the time I get to the third paragraph I've completely lost interest. Mm -hmm. But if I had a you know if I could just turn that on and then tune in when like oh now we're getting to the good stuff, mm -hmm. that that seems like a, a valuable concept. Yeah, that, I, I think so. And especially if it's a nice, pleasant to listen to voice who is just reading it to you perfectly. Such as the Empress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said to me at the beginning, well, you know, you can't be doing the narrations. You have to, like, run the company. And I'm like, I know, I know, but I can do one now and then, you know. I mean, you yeah. could do both. Could yeah, do why some. not? Yeah. Why you should the do it all. Why should the talent get to have all the fun? Get to exactly. have all the fun. Well, the good news is there's a lot of good voice talent out there. And it's people that do it as a hobby or as a side job. They're setting, they're set up in their homes, and so there's there's some good there's a good pool of resources from which to pull from. And and you brought up access accessibility. Mm -hmm. I think I want to stop there for a second and talk about that. So, if you're in digital publishing today, making sure that your content and your site is accessible to all people d with disabilities is very important. This mm -hmm. has become a very hot topic in digital publishing today. And there is technology that you can layer on top of your website and it'll be an automated read of everything on the page. That technology exists today. It is, uh, it's sort of a necessary utility. Sites have to be readable by a text reader. But the voice is terrible it's uh it's like a computer it's a it computer is very robot. disjointed and yeah. robotic and so you're not going to listen to a research paper like that um and there are companies that i've talked to that do this they help you get your site ada compliant for accessibility and at the minimum you have to have these text readers turned on otherwise you could get sued 
And so even those companies will tell me that the technology is flawed. And if the site is not set up perfectly with tags in the exact right place, and you know about the meta tags from oh, your yeah. business, you know how the structure and the tagging of the page has to be absolutely perfect. Otherwise, the text reader like hiccups and falls down and doesn't work. So, you know, if accessibility is important enough to you as a publisher, the tech, the the tech, the computer generated stuff just may not cut it for you, and you may want a pleasant human voice. I mean, I think we all want to hear a pleasant human voice. <laughs> Just because you, you know, you're legally blind doesn't mean you should have to listen to a robot right, and right. tell you the news every morning <laughs> right. like that ain't cool. That ain't cool. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't cool. It ain't cool. It ain't cool. So, um, can you talk a little bit about the technology is it's it's like an embedded something you embed into the web page and yeah. you have a you have a voice actor record the the content and yep. then but it stays, you stay on the web page, correct? Yeah, so that's the other awesome thing about Listenable is you don't leave the publisher site. So I'll tell you about how it works in, in one sec. So if you're Harvard Business Review, which I admittedly is my dream client, and you want... Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyone out here is listening to Harvard Business Review, is, this is perfect for them. Hashtag Harvard. Hashtag Harvard. Um, so, so they have a listenable version of an awesome article or white paper that they recently did. They, if they're going to put that out in a listenable format, they're going to send their users to uh, Audible or iTunes. If I'm Harvard Business Review with my own wonderful brand, why would I want to send my readers mm. to a third party for audio? I should be available right on HBR.org. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing is saying to these publishers, hey, don't send your customers away. Do it all on your own site. And it's so easy. So, so what we've built is a web application. And the whole thing runs in the listenable sort of domain, uh, runs on Amazon Web Server. I've got this uh, application. And I give the publishers one or two lines of code. And they install it on every page that may use listenable at some point. You can put it in the header or in the footer, just so it's somewhere on the page. And then, um, so that's one simple install. It could be a one-step process for most publishers. And then as we begin to narrate different pieces of content, we then send over um, a unique token ID for that particular article which gets embedded on that particular page that makes the listen icon show up on the page and the user just taps the listen button and then they're hearing it. Bing, bang, boom. Yeah, the Easy. listen, we have a player. When you hit the listen button, a very thin player pops up at the bottom of the page, you know, with pause, stop, rewind. And so that's an on-page player experience. Everything's right there, one tap. So um, that, I mean, did you ever see yourself as like a software person? Did you ever see, you know, you kind of like yeah. stepping into that world? Kind of. I mean, kind of because of my digital media background. I mean, I've I've worked on teams before where we've built product, so I, I, I can talk the talk and I was a web developer back in the day, but I feel like what isn't software these days? Mm. You know, and, and what isn't software these days? And, and um, so it's fun and frustrating at the same time because actually building a web application that works, and it's really exciting on the listenable side of it because the voice talent 
uploads the um, narration, which is, you know, an MP3 file, and it puts it in the listenable database, and then it generates the unique ID, which gets sent to the publisher. So to see this automated system, I was excited, you know, wow, we built this thing, and, and I sort of engineered it, like, and it, and that's cool. But then it's frustrating because it's also never done. Never. Mm-hmm. Never done. I, I mean, yeah, that's the that's a point where I'm at right now. So we built the beta, the beta version, which, you know, your software company helps startups get off the ground, right? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. All the time. So so I, I wish I had known about you a year ago, um, but I did find a decent startup uh company in new haven called checkmate creations oh we just had them you on know, you did literally i think they were on here like two weeks ago oh, there right, you go because don had emailed me after and and introduced me to you i think on a side note and i said i'm already set up with them yeah. <laughs> no that's funny we we have a small state yeah it is <laughs> well i love the ecosystem it's right so alive and well and and i hope very we, supportive very yeah. supportive and so i love the network of people and and so so those guys are cool but just back to the software thing for a second. So, so Checkmate worked with me. We built a nice beta, and it, and the system works. But I already feel like it needs a sprucing and tighten this and fix that and make the eh, you know. So it that part's a little tough because it's like never ending. And you know, I was able to get our application and our system built for. I mean, in my mind, it was a reasonable amount of money. It was about ten thousand. And, but it already needs more. Yeah. So. Uh, sounds about right. Sounds, constant update. Sounds about right <laughs> software. So. Uh, Does that sound about right price wise? Yeah. For, yeah, yeah. For, like, for an app. Yep. Yeah. A no, web application that, that if, has a database and. You're building something from the ground up. Yeah. No, that's, um. I've worked with a few clients who build apps and that's between, you know, you're looking at basically for almost anything, even the most basic, you're looking at four or five grand just to get off the right. ground. Right. Um, so actually, I think that's a pretty good deal, 10 grand. That's not too bad. And that included the a website, which I do like our website. I think it looks good. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty decent, but. Hear that checkmate? You're getting some free, Check- free, free, uh, advertising. free advertising. They're there you guys. got a, you got a happy customer here. They're good guys, yeah. Um, yeah. So I actually, I wanna, I wanna, Go back to we we're talking about the the Connecticut ecosystem. We were just talking about how it's you know small state and we all mm-hmm. get along. Um, where are you based out of? So so I'm a Connecticut native. Grew up on the shoreline. Lived all around New Haven County. Live in Hamden now. So I'm very close to New Haven. Um, I, gosh, when I got into this venture, which was just over a year ago, I just started searching for networks and people and places and. I have worked with the refinery in Westport, which is an accelerator. Yeah, they have a they have a very well connected with uh, angel investors. I bet in Westport. And yeah, they are some hardworking ladies over there. You know Let them, me yeah. Tell you. yeah, yeah, they're nice ladies. Yeah, so so that was good experience. Um, that definitely accelerated me. I mean, I think it did what it was supposed to do. Um, I might have started that a little early because so I start reaching out, you know, I'm putting out feelers. There's um, there's the Crossroads Venture Group, mm-hmm. CVG. Yep. Um, I connected with them. So that's just mingling with, 
you know, uh, service providers, investors, other entrepreneurs. You know, it's it's not hard to find these circles. Right. Um, so between CVG, which is Crossroads Venture Group, they they hold monthly meetings, which are great. That was a good place to venture in. Through there, I got connected with the refinery. Now the refinery, I got very excited about being part of that. I felt in hindsight, it might have been just a little bit early. Their their mission is they really want to help you get investment. And I wasn't at the point where I was seeking investment yet. So Mm. it might have been just a hair too early. and so I definitely felt that among my cohort. You know, the other <laughs> companies were, were well into, into their in, investor path, and I just wasn't even close to that yet. I was still on the bootstrap phase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but that was a good, that was really good. And then not sure how I connected with Checkmate, but Yale has quite a bit of entrepreneurial activities going on. If you just su- search and Google, you find a lot to do. Mm. And so... Year one, you know, last year, I was very, very busy attending these networking events and those and and talking with other entrepreneurs. And I did an article for Innovation Hartford, um, certainly meeting you guys, finding Checkmate. You've been busy. You've been very busy. I have been busy. Life of an entrepreneur, people. Oh, my goodness. For real, though. (laughs) You know, funny you say, because the ecosystem, so I would say, for for budding entrepreneurs it is out there you know but you you have to look for it you've got to get out there you've got to make the call do the email go to the speaker series just get out there and meet people talk to as many people as you possibly can there have been so many events where i'm thinking oh it's it's on a wednesday night it's a speaker i don't really know if i feel like going Mm. But I'd make myself go because that's my job now. This is my job now. So I'm going to go. And nine times out of ten, you meet somebody there that you say, oh, interesting. You know, you exchange business cards with many people, but there's always one or two good, useful connections that come out of everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything. And I think the chambers have been decent. Um, The chambers of commerce? New Haven's chamber Mm. um, is very big. I don't know about the town level ones. Um, I I don't know if if those are quite as good, but the larger chambers, huge networking events. Um, so I find it's not hard to to find people to connect with, and it just opens up a whole new network of people, which has been awesome. Sounds like um sounds like you had a, a bit of an I don't want to say an easier time, but it doesn't sound like you ran into you know getting your startup going. It sounds like you were able to find a lot of. Uh, Helping from networks, yeah. People and support systems. Sometimes we have people come in and they they have they've they've struggled to find that support. But uh, Uh you seem like you were able to find it very easily. I mean, I have nothing to compare it to, but I all I can tell you is that I was really busy. You know, there's there's stuff out there. You know, there are these business expos and. You might think, well, why would I go to a business expo? Because I walk the floor and just talk to people. Mm-hmm. And everybody in that space has some connection or it lets you practice your pitch. It lets you, you know, gauge people's reaction when you when you tell people what listenable is and what you do and you actually get to see the look on their face and see how they react. That is good stuff, you know. Um, also I identified 
I identified kind of my, my dream industry, which mm. I told you earlier, the, the scholarly publishing. Well, so every industry has like a nonprofit association that like oversees the industry. And certainly there is one for, for scholarly publishing. And I cold call all the time. Hey, it's a new startup. I've got this idea. I think it's a great fit for your industry. What do you think? Most of the time you get ignored and you have to be okay with that. <laughs> I know all about being ignored. <laughs> right? That We could do a whole podcast just on the emotional toll. Oh the emotional God, right? toll. My of being ego's a- roller coaster ride. Like, <laughs> yeah. I got it. I got it. I don't got it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And then ignore. Yeah. Yeah. That is tough. The, the getting ignored piece and the cold calling. But you just keep going, keep going. And then I was in, so I hooked up with this um, scholarly publishing association and they were having a big uh, annual conference in London last December. And I said, I would, and I, I go to the agenda. I'm looking at what they're talking about because I want to know what's important to them. What are, what is my prospective client concerned with? And so they've got this section in the middle of the agenda on, um, flashy new startups in the industry perfect right (laughs) so i cold call them and i give them a little pitch and the pitch is constantly refined i don't think i ever wrote the same pitch twice i think it was different every single time and sure enough got invited went to london you went to london really oh my god and i pitched at this global scholarly conference in front of you know a room full of 200 people that were like perfect and so you know that was really big wow <laughs> so tell us what was the response what were some of the questions what was yeah. the feedback that you got i mean that was great exposure for you it it was really good i was so excited uh, my friend and advisor uh, helped me get ready so we spent you know we were really worked hard in the presentation i had five minutes Okay, I went all the way to London oh my for God. five minutes. <laughs> Twelve-hour flight. Five I hope minutes. you saw the Big Ben at least. We did. We stayed. <laughs> yeah, for <a> okay. <laughs> we stayed for a week and had a good time. But, but yeah, the reception was wonderful. So this is this is the scholarly publishing ten billion dollar industry that I that I am looking at, and they know that audio is missing in their industry on a grand scale. But like I said earlier, like they just don't quite know how yet to flip it on because of the volume of content and val- valid concerns about pronunciation, mm. about certain words, um, because this is all medical and science. Mm-hmm. Um, one of their concerns was there's so much. So where do you begin and how do you scale affordably? How, how does right. it work economically? So we talked about that. The reception after the my talk was great. People came up to me. I walked away. My goal was to walk out of there with five good business contacts, and I probably got ten or twelve. Wow. So I felt great. Um, that was that was around the holiday time. It was just before Christmas. So, you know, finished the trip. Was so excited. Had these business cards in my hot little hand, and came <laughs> home and was excited and you know, did the follow-ups and, you know, then put your sales hat on, which is probably like maybe not my favorite hat, but you have to wear every hat (laughs) when you're... Oh, yeah. So you put your sales hat on and you do your follow-ups and you try to get the next conversation. Like, that's the goal. 
and um, and then the holidays came. And um, so, you know, January was kind of like, okay, where are these guys going? Are we going anywhere? And there's still conversations with some of them. But to be honest, it's a little slow. <laughs> it's a little slow. I mean, it, it moves at the pace of bureaucracy. You know, yep. scholarly articles are not known for being, you know, timely necessarily. Right. Right. And that sort of a change is really almost a shakeup to everything. For right, them. it would be, and and I I know that right now at least, listenable would have to scale massively to be able to serve this industry. So that's a little daunting to me sometimes. So I guess I guess it would be ideal to get into some, get into one or two, find a particular journal that has a certain level of popularity and just begin to test the waters. I'm really still in in that beta space and um, so you know just trying to get more betas and refine the application and get it ready to to scale because the volume of content out there sometimes makes me a little nervous to be honest. <laughs> well it, it's that persistence though uh, you know we've talked with a lot of guests on here about you know Sometimes it's just like you just got to keep knocking. You just got to keep going. And, you know, you've only you've been doing this for about a year now, correct? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you have a beautiful website. You have a functioning app. Like, you got invited to London. Mm-hmm. You're not doing too bad. I haven't been invited to London yet. And I'm a, my startup's a year old, too. Where's my plane ticket? You know, like. <laughs> right, so, so here's another frustrating piece. We could have a whole podcast on this, too. So. <laughs> When you when you announce to your friends and family that you're going to go start a startup, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I worked in big corporate for a long time, and all of a sudden I'm going to do a startup. So people get really excited, and I was really excited. I mean, the energy that I felt when I got swept up by this idea was like I've never had this creative energy. I've never felt it before like I did. So you kind of get swept up, and your close friends and family get swept up with you, mm-hmm. and they get really excited. And so now, every time you see them, it's like, hey. How's it going? Yeah, how's it going? Are you making money? Are you? And, and that has begun to frustrate me a little bit a year in, because people think that, you know, am I making, you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars? Where's yet? your sweet San Francisco yeah. office? Right. You know? <laughs> are you are you getting bought by Google yet? And Do you I'm, have that um, Tesla yet? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Exactly. What are the other cool hip trekky things? Uh oh Dave. Dave right. would have the answer. You would know all Google of Home, yeah. Um but that that sort of like that reality of and I, I love that you just said you just keep plugging away mm-hmm. and you just sort of keep you just keep plotting away. And, uh, and I have to not sort of, sort of get an attitude when people say, hey, how's the business? Are you making money? What's going on? And it just takes time to build. You I build mean, gate I chat? Didn't even, I didn't even <laughs> right? have a product for, for the first nine months. I, didn't even, and I had nothing. I had an idea and a website that was coming along. You know? Well, I mean, so, oh, go ahead. Please. So I'm always curious, though, you know, when you are facing all this, ad- almost not adversity, but constant check in from people mm-hmm. and it just runs you down, what is your motivation to keep going? I love hearing entrepreneurs and hearing about like that, that push, that fire. Like, what keeps that fire going for you? Yeah, it, it is, it is a belief in the idea. It's, it's a belief in the idea and, um, listenable has kind of become a living breathing thing and i some days i'm mad at it <laughs> serious you know I don't blame some you. days i get a little mad at it and um you know coming off of 
what I think was a big year. It was a year just that was full of excitement and full of energy. My own personal energy was in a crazy place and in all in a good way. But then you get into year two and you're like, okay, now the excitement is starting to wear off a little bit. And I'm starting to sort of, you know, you want to sort of consider like, all right, how much more money am I willing to put in? Now you get down to the, the blush is off the rose. The honeymoon mm-hmm. is over. Mm-hmm. How much more money am I willing to put in? This this stinking application needs more money. You know, you start to get like, you know, you know, you, this is where you get sort of mad at it sometimes. I have to put more money in. I have to pay, you know, the state of Connecticut more money. I have to pay. Well, that, you know, that's one thing I think we're all used to living right. in this state. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Um, but I think what keeps it alive is so so interesting that you ask, um, because it it has become an it's an evolving thing, and there's going to be, I think at at this point, uh, ebb, it's going to ebb and flow in terms of my weekly sort of input and and. Uh, dedication to it so I don't know if I had told you this Chris um, when I first spoke to you you know I I wanted to see certain milestones at certain times and I didn't know you know a year ago I did not know what right now was going to look like you right. know I was hoping for you know you know, wanted a few betas okay that's good but was this going to really ramp up quickly where I was going to be at a point where I was going to be ready to take on investment money or, you know, that that would be good. But at some point I have to think about a salary and making money. And so, you know, I think to, to acknowledge that this needs a little more time to bake. And that doesn't mean that I'm tur- it's not stopping, but I'm not full. I'm not, I can't be full time on it. I think that's okay too. And just to let it sort of be a part time, keep it, keep it plugging away, keep nurturing it is where I'm at. Sometimes you have to take a step back and get yeah. some fresh air, take a fresh perspective. Right. You know, uh, I've definitely experienced that. Um, when yeah. I, I started my marketing company a year ago, yeah. a week after I got fired from an office job. I'm not office people. I can't, <laughs> I can't do, I have to be the boss. So, <laughs> um, I, I, but I started my company a year ago and I had no idea. All I know is like, I know how to do websites and marketing. I'm just going to kind of wing it and go from there. And then it, you know, it morphed and there were times I had to step back. I was, I was remodeling my kitchen. I was like, well, I don't have a place to make dinner, so this is kind of a priority from the business right now. And then, you know, I get back into it. Right now, I'm, I'm really into it. I'm, I'm, you know, things are going well over here. And, but there's been times when it's going well, and I'm like, it's going too well. I need a breather. Mm-hmm. I need to just take a day off and yep. play video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that, and I think that's where I was. The year one was so intense. Mm-hmm. And then coming into year two, I definitely needed to just take a little bit of a check, you know, check where it's going, check, did it, is it where I want it to be? What, what does the next six months look like for me personally and for listenable? So it, it's very, it can be a very emotional, up, down, changeable, pivot. Everyone talks about pivoting and staying open. That I'm really, really living. really realizing that today that staying open and just going kind of going with the flow the emotion part definitely you know that i think that's one thing that doesn't get 
discussed maybe quite enough uh, on this podcast. Th- there's so many emotions wrapped up in, in yep. starting a company and yep. being a startup. You know, frustration, celebration, yep. anger, frustration, more frustration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they just burn out, honestly. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, you guys don't have an end. You're working right. all the time, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, it could be, it could take over your life. And I think something that's important is sometimes you need that time for yourself. Sometimes you need to take that step back. I can, I can talk, my mom is actually an entrepreneur and she's in her fifties and started a business and it took her a year before she had her first day off. Wow. And Mm -hmm. she runs a business. That was probably me. Yeah. It's, it's a juice and smoothie bar and she was in the store every single day. She didn't yeah. take a vacation yeah. until we forced her to. We sat her down and said, you need this. Yeah. <laughs> this is a vacation For intervention. For your own mental <laughs> yeah. health. Yeah. But it becomes your baby. In so many ways. And, you know, I had never felt that creativity, that that aliveness that I felt in year one. So you can't help it. It's like you are possessed by this, you know, wonderful creativity. I used to get up every day so excited, get my list going. I'd start work. I work, work, work. And yes, so I think there it is very cyclical and that there is that honeymoon. I think there's that honeymoon phase there was for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was just vibrating with, with the creativity and I kind of came around the bend this year so it's a little bit more realistic and kind of saying all right how do i you know keep this thing going but not get so burned out and not money is something also i think that people don't sort of talk freely enough about in this in this conversation because the reality is it is a lot about money oh yeah (laughs) for sure you know i mean and that always tends to be sort of the conversation nobody wants to have but you know, I, I, w- I would say to entrepreneurs, you know, you know how much you are willing to put in because I guess I, I guess everybody starts with your own money. You know, you, you're sort of in that bootstrapping mm-hmm. phase, you're shucking and jiving for whatever you can. But there is a certain amount of money of your own that you are going to put in. And th- I think you just have to be once you've decided what that number is you've got to be just really comfortable with it and as you write checks and as you start spending that money you cannot resent that you're spending that money because you've already decided i don't know what the number is i'll make it up you've decided you're going to spend twenty thousand dollars and you you obviously have to be smart and be very ceo like and how you're going to spend that money but once you've decided to spend the 20 don't get resentful about it every time you have to write a check you decided you were going to do this. Let it happen. But, and then when you've spent your $20,000 or whatever your number is, then, you know, wh- where do you go from there? Because I would be concerned that some people don't kind of know when to stop and they just keep put. well, it just needs another five. Oh, it just needs another three. Oh, it just needs another. And next thing you know, you've spent 30. Now you've put yourself in an uncomfortable position. I think the money thing should be, is is a little bit more hefty than people give it sort of, it doesn't get a lot of airtime. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I was just reading about, do you guys know about the skim 
Yeah. It's the online newsletter. It's awesome. Um, So it's basically a newsletter that gets emailed to you every morning, Mm -hmm. Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. And it's just a quick rundown on all the current events that are happening in the world. So you don't have to listen to the news or you don't have to read these lengthy articles. They just will skim it for you. And you can be knowledgeable and you can go into your day knowing what's going on. And so the founders actually were talking about it in a, I think it was a Business Week article. Um, and they were saying how, you know, they didn't know when to stop putting the money in and they got lucky because they both committed to running up, you know, credit card debt on yep. their own. Yep. And it wasn't until last year that they were able to pay off their personal credit cards. And they've been doing this now for four or five years. So that's sort of, they're a huge startup. They employ probably 40 to 50 people now. They have offices. But it still impacted them personally, financially, Mm -hmm. in a way that they said, you know, if we did it differently, I don't know what might have happened. We committed at that point. Mm -hmm. But the financial despair that (laughs) hit our credit is is something that no one really talks about right no i mean it's it's that's a very good point i mean i personally started i had 500 bucks i started with 500 bucks and i went and put a i bought myself a new camera because i needed the equipment so i was out like two grand i was like okay we're gonna start this this is where we're gonna go from and just go from there and i i haven't hit my cap yet thankfully because i'm actually able to bring money in knock on knock wood, on wood. Good, right yeah. but um you know it, it is it is it, that's possibly the scariest part is knowing that you know you could just end up with a bunch of debt like you could you could try this you could tr- try your best you could do your damnedest and at the end of the day you know that is you could do everything right and it still might not work out it's it's a thing you know that's true but it's it's a thing that we're compelled to do right it, it's it's I couldn't just turn my back on this. I couldn't just turn this part of me off, you know. Right. And, and you know, you how you were saying, you know, this this startup, this thing comes comes alive, becomes almost like a piece of you. It does. And you know, yes. you don't want to see that little piece of you die. <laughs> and and when I, you know, when you have the idea, I you're totally right. It sounds kind of dramatic, but it's true. It's absolutely and true. And when you have an idea and a passion and a vision for something, it starts to take over. It, it takes on a life of its own. And I remember saying to myself, and I thought for months, if if this opportunity presents itself where I'm out of a job and I and I can either get another job or start my startup, I made a very discern. I spent months thinking about it and decided that I was going to try this venture. And um, there was a point at which there was no going back i i would have had discord in my heart if i didn't (laughs) do this and i told that to friends and family you know i could have walked into another great job hopefully but you know i could have just said i'm not gonna take the risk i mean the risk is like hello you sit with risk at your kitchen table every day you like live with risk Mm -hmm. you know risk of so many things Mm -hmm. risk of money risk of face reputation telling people it's either going to go or it doesn't go your, your physical health everything you risk so much and um i don't get a lot of sleep these days <laughs> it's true right and but there it there was a point at which i had no choice i knew that i was not going to be able to be okay without trying it yeah yeah you just you had to give it a go yeah that, that again same with me you know i 
I had this office job for three months and I was I was killing it on the work part, but yeah. I was miserable and everybody could see that I was miserable. I was getting my work done four hours into an eight hour day and bugging people. That's why I got fired. <laughs> and you and, were too productive. Right. I was too productive. I was making everybody else look bad. I don't know, you were know. You ro- were you rocking the uh, apple cart? <laughs> oh, I was you can't rocking. Do that. <laughs> I wasn't just rocking the boat. I was, you know, straight up trying to capitalize it. I guess I don't know, like pull in a china shop. <laughs> yeah. Well, they brought me in. They're like, hey, you know, we know you know all this, you know, new stuff. You know, they're working on websites that are 15 years out of date, and you know, they know nothing about social media. I was my the first thing I said was like you should just stop what you're doing on your social media because you're doing more harm than good right now. Like, let's just, that did not go over well. Yeah. I, that was the, I don't know, four, five days in. <laughs> and then it was, I, I was like, listen, I know how to do it well. You're not doing it well. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, I guess at the end of the day, that's kind of the conversation is that, you know, some people just, they're compelled to do things the right way, even if it means rubbing other people the wrong way. You know, even if it means putting, you know, their own personal welfare at risk a little bit, you know, we're not hanging off the sides of bridges here, but, you know, uh, you're still sacrificing. Yeah. You know, I I was joking about the sleep thing. Sleep is, you know, five hours. I'm happy. (laughs) You know, it's it's because you you go you come home and there's still more work to do. There's always more work to do. The job just follows you everywhere in your startup. Everywhere. And, And, you know, funny, like maybe the past past month or so I've sort of tried to take a little bit of a a break a little bit of break I needed to freshen up a little bit and um, as soon as you do that things get busy again of course isn't that the way it works isn't that the way it works when you're sitting at your desk raring to go waiting for things to happen nothing's happening (laughs) yeah and then you decide you know I think I'll just sort of chill out for a little bit keep this thing simmering and then things start to happen so it it is such a journey it is emotional. It's crazy. It's fun. I can't imagine there being any regrets in, in, in however it shakes out because you don't know. And what's the stat? There's some ridiculous stat like 98% of startups or something yeah, like that fail. fail. I mean, it's a crazy, ridiculous statistic. You know, you got to have a little bit of crazy to venture, I think. Just a wee bit. But. It, but in in I think if you feel it and you have an idea and it do, and it just keeps bugging you and bugging you, you you can't go on without trying it. You got to find a way, whether it's with five hundred bucks or twenty thousand bucks or whatever the number is, you figure out a way. And even if you're doing it on the side, part time, I know some entrepreneurs that are still working a full time job, but they nurture this thing on the side. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's kind of an interesting path too just maybe take a little longer but it's a way to make it happen and then you know you talked earlier about you know going into debt and I think that a lot of angel investors want to see you you like that before right want to see you commit yeah you believe in you believe in enough to put your own money yeah and you, it, you mortgaged your house and you're living uh you know off of your credit cards right okay then you know I don't know. That this person's either crazy bit, or they got into something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, and that's generally the case. They're either nuts yep. and they've put way too much money into a bad idea or right. they genuinely believe and they just need someone else to believe it too. You know, uh, Elon Musk almost sold Tesla to Google. 
like, because, I mean, at the 11th hour, he got that last-minute save. But, I mean, we're talking about an automaker that, at least on paper, is worth more than Ford and GM now. Mm. And he almost had to sell it to Google because he didn't have the money. He didn't know if he could make this work anymore. Mm. So, I guess going back to what we were saying before, it, a lot of this is persistence. And if, mm. you know, if you are a persistent person and you've got a good idea, start a startup. Right. Right, yeah. There you go. Have a great time. Right? <laughs> um, Come on the podcast. Yeah, please. <laughs> Alex, um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about here? Anything else you want to plug yourself? Is there any place we could check out well, Listenable? Che- Listenable? Check out Listenable.com. Um, I'm Alex Roman. I'm on LinkedIn, Alexandra Roman. And um, you can reach me at aroman at listenable.com. And if you have any ideas or prospective, you know, publishers, give me a call or shoot me an email. I'd love to chat. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you, Alex. Thank Your you voice is very listenable. <laughs> yeah, for you. real. We got, we got to have you back on here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you for listening to the CT Startup Podcast. We want to thank our audio sponsor, the Murphy Kalina Law Firm, our guests for their time and input, our production company, Sublime Exposure Online, and of course you, our listeners, for helping make all this possible. Make sure to check out our Facebook page, our webpage at ctstartup.com, and our Twitter at ctstartupcast. And please make sure to join our newsletter for all the latest information on the Connected Startup Show.